Tonight's really exciting because um, Pastor James Jang, our brand new associate pastor, is coming to preach. Now, it's not the first time he's preached at our church. Um, he's preached a few times. But it's different when you're the pastor. Because when you're not a pastor and you preach, it doesn't matter how good or bad it is. You just go, oh, yeah, he's not even a pastor. That's okay. But now he's a pastor. So let me just read you his notes at the beginning. Chase, Chase, Chase. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> um, for those that know or don't know, Pastor James has been with our church um, since the beginning, so seven and a half years, um, and then recently was inducted into ministry, into pastoral ministry, and started um, his full-time uh, ministry here at the chapel at the beginning of December. Um, so nearly already two months, still on probation, but that's okay. Um, it's really exciting because Pastor James is, is a lover of God. He loves God. And, you know, you usually see him lead worship, um, and, and he's just there pouring his heart out to God. And I think what's exciting is that he can now expand his ministry and to share the Word of God with us tonight. So whether you're at home or whether you're here, can we all invite Pastor James up to share the Word of God? Yeah. Well, hello, everybody. How's everyone doing? Good? Awesome. So, so good evening, friends. My name is Pastor James. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here on staff at the Chapel Sydney. If you're new here with us, we're glad you've joined us. If you're joining us online, thank you for joining us. We can't wait for the day that we get together under one roof and uh, sing together. So, we've just got a quick video that we're going to show. If we can kick that off, that would be fantastic. And don't forget about the sound.
amazing how he turns to the drummer first day. So what you've just witnessed is some horrendous moments during worship. Uh, that's a clip from this thing called Worship Fails on Instagram. If anyone's a part of that, just follow that. It's a great channel. Um, now, how many would say that even though they've messed up, that they were worshiping God? Or how many would say that that's, that worship is bad? Now, what does that even mean? What does worship even mean? You know, if I define eating as simply just looking at food, then who would enjoy coming over to my house to eat? Or if I define breathing as just something I do when I get with a group of people on Sunday afternoon, then how do I explain what I do with the rest of my time? You know, theologian David Peterson says that defining words is important, not only because we use words, but words use us. Now, once we assign a meaning to a word, it shapes and reflects our entire worldview. And that's why conversations about church, evangelism, Christianity can be so confusing. There needs to be a point where we agree on what the words mean. Now, worship is one of those words. When someone refers to worship, they can be talking about a number of things. Style of music, time of singing, a certain liturgy. You know, when we read through the Bible, the definition of worship is not just confined to singing or music. It's actually much bigger than that. It's the offering of our whole body to God. You know, one of the biggest misconceptions, false beliefs within the church is that worship is limited to just the 15, 20 minutes of singing at the beginning of service. That worship is just public expression. Now, we know that that's not true. We know that that's not all there is by reading Matthew 8, Matthew 15, 8 to 9. These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me. You know, Jesus says this type of worship where there is a distinction between what's going on in the heart and the lips amounts to zero. It is not worship. You know, John Piper puts it, this is zero worship. It is zero if there is no heart dimension to it. So you can do as many deeds as you want and go to as many church services as you want and never be worshipping. If it is all external and nothing is happening in your heart toward God. All true worship is in essence a matter of the heart. It is more, but it is not less. Now Bob Coffin defines worship as God's covenant people, recognizing, reveling in and responding rightly to the glory of God in Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. True worship is a valuing or treasuring of God above all things. Now, I don't know how many NFL fans there are. How many NFL fans are there here? Okay, one. Awesome. <laughs> so in 2017, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl. Through the, through the Super Bowl MVP, Nick Foles, that's him right there. Now, for all the new NFL fans, which is like 99% of you guys here, the main position that a team has is, is called a quarterback. The quarterback coordinates the attack and scores points. It's their number one goal. And Nick Foles, he is not their starter. He is their number two choice. And he only got a chance to play in the, in the 2017 season only because of an injury to their main starter, Carson Wentz. Now Nick Foles went on to win the Super Bowl and be crowned Super Bowl MVP. But when starter Carson Wentz was ready to play in 2018, Falls was once again relegated back to backup. 
from being one of the best players in the league to being back up again. Nick Fall said this. What they saw as a riches to rag sports story, I see as part of God's divine plan. I've said all along that my desire is to play for God's glory, not mine. And that's exactly what I plan to do. My unique path from backup to Super Bowl MVP to backup again is a powerful message to share with people. And God has given me an ideal platform to do that from. Some people might think I deserve a better deal, but it's not, what I, but it's not about what I deserve. It's never been about that. The truth is, I've already been given far more than I deserve. A wonderful family, a job I love, grace and forgiveness, great friends, coaches and teammates. Everything I have is a gift from God, and I'm thankful for all of it. I am where I am now because of God's grace, and I'll continue to follow wherever he leads. Man, that is such a great example of what true worship means to God. It's showing others that Christ is more precious to you than anything else, that God is your treasure. Not the riches of the world, not fame, not power. You know, for us today, this entire service is worship. The sermon, the singing, the offering, the communion that we're about to take, it's all worship to God. So right now, we're currently in the middle of a series called Above and Beyond. What does it mean to live a life that is above the minimum? Now, last week, Pastor spoke on the idea of giving above and beyond and the big idea that, that we give to things that we value in life. And today, I just want to draw out two quick things from, from Scripture that show us how to live a life of worship that is above and beyond. So let's turn to Romans 12, 1 to 2. And I'll just read that. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, the first truth to living a life of worship that is above and beyond is living as a living sacrifice. The apostle begins this chapter by pleading with the believers in Rome to live in light of what God had done for them. Now he reminds them that God calls us to make a choice about the way we live for him. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, or by the mercies of God. You know, Paul reminds us here that uh, in this space, in this moment, that we're here only because God has shown mercy to us. You know, if you read Romans 1 to 11, that's the Christian life. It's all about God's mercy to us. God, in his mercy, he has justified us from the guilt and penalty of sin. He has adopted us into his family. He's placed us under grace and not the law. He has given us the Holy Spirit. He has promised to be with us. And he has promised to come back and promised that there would be no separation from the love of God. That's Romans 1 to 11. And the Apostle Paul sums it up by this simple phrase, in view of God's mercy, or by the mercies of God. Because of Christ, those who believe in him are justified by faith and reconciled to God and have everlasting joy. We build our lives on his mercy. We sink our roots deep into his mercy. That is the gospel. That's the good news. And Paul continues his plea for us to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. 
He says, this is your true and proper worship. Offer your bodies. Present your bodies. This idea of body is connected to mind, body, spirit. It's our entire being. It means that God wants all of us, not just our Sundays. For us to live a life of worship that is above and beyond means surrender and giving everything to God. Now, who has seen Bruce Almighty? Okay, better, better response. Nice. So Bruce Almighty is a movie about a self-centered man named Bruce Noland. Okay? And his life dream is to be promoted to anchor position at the local news station. But nothing goes right for Bruce. He doesn't get the job, and his girlfriend dumps him. Double whammy. After complaining loudly about the way God runs the universe, God meets with Bruce and gives him the opportunity to run the universe one week. By the end of the week, Bruce has made an absolute mess of everything. He's made a mess of the world and his life. And on one rainy night, Bruce is walking down the middle of the road crying. His clothes are soaked and he's weary. He finally drops to his knees and cries out, God, I'm tired of being God. I don't want to run my life anymore. I surrender to your will. That's what it means to surrender to God. It's getting on our knees and saying to God, God, I give you my life, my desires, my wants, my dreams, my hopes, my future. It is yours. Now, in the Old Testament, when you were to go to God, you brought a sheep or a bull or a pigeon and you sacrificed it on the altar of offering as an offering to God. You know, there were different kinds of sacrifices, but at the very heart of a sacrifice, sin demanded punishment. And that slain animal represented God's willingness to accept a substitute so that we might continue to worship God. But the Bible says that the blood of bulls and goats was still not enough. It was never enough to take away sin. This is one of the reasons why the death of Jesus is is really amazing. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. That was the final sacrifice for sin. Because Jesus was perfect and sufficient. Jesus brought an end to all Old Testament sacrifices for sin. He finished the great work of atonement. You know, we live a life of worship by presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. Our bodies belong to God. The sacrifice of our bodies to God is not a sacrifice for sin. Jesus has already done that. Paul says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. It is our living that is the act of worship. You know, John Piper describes it this way. Let every act of your, living, of your body in living be an act of worship. That is, let every act of your living body be a demonstration that God is your treasure. Let every act of your living body show that Christ is more precious to you than anything else. Let every act of your living body be a death to all that dishonors Christ. To present your body to to God is to surrender your whole life to Him every day, saying, Lord, I am yours, everything I have, everything that I own. You are God, use me. And the second truth to living a life of worship that is above and beyond 
is not conforming to the world. Verse 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. The message version says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. You know, after nine successful seasons, the popular sitcom uh, Everybody Loves Raymond had its final episode, May of 2005. You know, the star of the show, Ray Romano, went from a struggling life, struggling stand-up comedian to one of the highest paid actors on television. In the last day of filming, Ray spoke to the studio audience, reflecting on his past and his future. He read a note from his brother who had stuck on his luggage a note the day he moved from New York to Hollywood nine years earlier. He says, my older brother Richard wrote, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Said a tearful Romano. Now I'm going to work on my soul. So one of the highest paid actors in television said. And that quote comes from Mark 8, 30, 36, where Jesus says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Tom Brady. Does anyone know Tom Brady? Please. <laughs> okay, two, one, one person. Awesome. So Tom Brady, uh, also an NFL player, one of the most successful. Before he was 30, he won three Super Bowl rings, like the grand final of NFL. He won it three times. He's got six now, but he won it three times before he was 30. He's, won, he's ranked as one of the best quarterbacks in the world. He has a multi-million dollar contract, numerous endorsements, good looks, a supermodel wife, a franchise that was built around him, and on weekends, about 80,000 people go and worship him. They chant his name. But this is what he says in an interview at the peak of all his success. This is what he says. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there is something greater out there for me? I mean... Maybe a lot of people would say, hey man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life. Me, I think it's got to be more than this. I mean, this isn't, this can't be all that is cracked up to be. These people are at the top, top, top of their field. They've won awards, they've got the money, they've got the fame. And they've been sucked into this system, this world system of success. And yet in Tom Brady's words, there's got to be more to life. Money, fame, power, it's nothing compared to what Jesus has to offer. You know, when the Bible, what the Bible is saying is, don't let the world mold you into its own shape. Because in the end, it will fade away. Yes, as Christians, we are in the world, but not of the world. Verse 2 says, do not conform, follow, obey, fit in, make room for, agree with the pattern of this world. You know, if we're not consciously thinking about living God's way, then we're naturally going on the path of least resistance, which is the world's way. 
You know, all throughout the Old Testament, there are stories of God's people choosing the world instead of God. And ultimately what ends up happening is they miss everything that God has for them. You know, but please hear me when I say this, that God's not calling us to live as hermits up in the mountains and live by ourselves and churn our butter. That's not what God is calling us to do. You know, we're called to reach the lost and love people. You know, what Paul is saying is that we shouldn't be conformed to the pattern of this world's system. The world tells us that a person's success is tied into their appearance or how much money they have or their achievements. People judge one another by their physical features, their personality, their public image, how many degrees you have or what high school you went to. But as Christians, our lives should look so different to the world. You know, we just need to go to Korea and see the countless advertisements for plastic surgery and losing weight. And it's so evident that they've been fed the lie that appearance is everything. The world will tell you that you need to be a certain way or that you need to look a certain way. Why? Because the world is trying to tell us that the way you look determines if you can be loved and accepted. You know, and there's a reason why so many of us spend so much money and time on keeping up good outward appearance. And please hear me on this. If you feel depressed or insecure about your outer appearance, that's not from God. You've fallen into the lives of the world. You've fallen into the world's standard of success. You know, brothers and sisters, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Whatever people have labeled you in the past is a lie. You are not defined by the world's system. Your past mistakes. God calls you his own, and you, have brought, and you have been bought at the highest price, the blood of Christ. So here's the thing that I want to make sure that you leave with today. If you want to live a life of worship that is above and beyond, then you must be willing to live. You must be willing to be a living sacrifice and live different to the world. And there's three key areas that I really want to challenge you today in. Your home, your work, and church. You know, valuing God above everything else, being a living sacrifice, it really starts with you and God at home. It starts by the renewal of your mind through the Word of God. It starts in your quiet times. Just you, the Bible, God. You know, the Word of God is the anchor in our lives. It is the very bread that we live on. You know, as we feast on his word, we find that our hearts soften and our minds transformed. The spirit works in our lives from the outside in and from the inside out. He leads us to hear the gospel, to read the Bible. He exposes the lies of the enemy and reminds us of the truths of God. And there is no heart that he can't break. There is no heart that he can't reach. So how do we actually do this? How do we actually renew our minds through the Word of God? It, it's, it's actually quite simple. It's just reading and meditating on the Bible. So let me challenge you this week. Pick one verse and mull on 
that one verse for the entire week. If you're struggling with your self-worth, then pick Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. 1 Corinthians 6.11. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Romans 8.1. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Pick a verse and just chew on it. Chew, chew, chew on it. Let his words sink deep into your heart. How do we we apply this in our work life? How do we live a life of worship that is above and beyond in our workplace? Will we honor God through being honest and integral by doing the right thing even when no one's watching? Why? Because we are called to be different. You know, I don't know about you guys, but in my previous job, there have been so many times when cutting corners, lying on a report could have saved me hours and hours and hours of of work. And if we are to live a life that values God above everything else, then we need to kill our corrupt desires in our hearts and become a living sacrifice at work. Even if it means being an outcast or humiliated, even if it makes you look like an idiot. So let me challenge you this week that... um, Pick one area at work where you want to give to God. Maybe it's talking with that colleague that no one likes. Maybe it's helping out the new employee. Maybe it's refraining from the gossip about the other colleague. Whatever it is, let's surrender that to God today. And finally, church. How do we we be a living sacrifice at church? You know, the idea of a sacrifice, of a living sacrifice is that it's continually on the altar. It's continually being offered up. You know, in the same way, we need to continually offer up our gifts and talents back to God. You know, in my interactions with some of you, it's undoubtedly clear that God has gifted a lot of you guys. Some of you guys are immensely talented in starting businesses in graphic design, in administration, in drawing, in fashion, in music, in Excel spreadsheets, in photography, in playing sports, in cooking, in fixing things. And I could go on and on. The question is, how are you investing your gifts and talents to your local church? How are you giving back to God what he has given you? And I'm not talking about your finances but I'm talking about the very passion, the very gifts that God has given you guys. You know, being a living sacrifice and living a life of worship is is not about a Sunday service. It's not about something that only takes place at church, but worship is the offering of your everyday life to God. It's saying, I'm going to the office, going to the school, going to the shops, I'm going to worship God there too. You know, worshipping people are changed people. It's reflected in the way they talk, act, the personality. When we give our lives, ourselves to God, we live not as self-centered, but as Christ-centered. There's a famous story of an old pastor in a Scottish church. He was asked to resign because there had been no conversions in the church for over a year. They had forgotten about the lad 
that not only had been saved, but had given himself completely to God. It was Bobby, they call him Wee Bobby, who in a missionary meeting, when the plate was being offered, when the plate was being passed for an offering, asked the usher to put the plate on the floor. He stepped into it with his bare feet saying, I'll give myself. I have nothing else to give. Bobby became the world-renowned Robert Moffat, who with David Livingston gave his life to reach the continent of Africa for Christ. You know, that's what it means to be a living sacrifice. It's holding out a blank piece of paper, signing your name at the bottom and saying, God, fill it in as you want. You know, when we offer up our bodies as a living sacrifice, that is our true and proper worship. We live a life of worship that is above and beyond because God gave everything for us. He was the sacrifice that sin demanded. Jesus was that substitute offering for us. That is the gospel. That is the good news. That Jesus came and died for us. Even if we've fallen, even if we've sinned, His blood has paid the price. There is forgiveness and healing today through Jesus. Let's close our eyes in prayer.